Hello, everybody, and welcome to once again a special episode. It seems like 2020 has just been an unbelievably wild and crazy year. I guess in a way we're kind of ready for it to be over, but uh, in a way maybe we're this is a new right. We don't really know, but the point is, is that you know, at this in this podcast as a loyal listener, we are about the topics. We are about the things that matter to our industry and to our agency, to our family. You know, trying to create better in all of those areas. And you know, there's a law of the lid that says that you can only be effective to other people and to other organizations, and let's just add on to society, in direct proportion to how you are as effective as a leader yourself. Now, when I say a leader, that means that you could work in an agency as a CSR, as a producer, but in your life and in your area, you are the CEO of you. And what we need to realize is that a lot of the things that we are encountering outside of viruses is a lot of it is my, my grandpa used to tell me, he, he would say, Jason, about 99% of your problems are going to be because of what you did, not what somebody else did. And that's why we're making this podcast. I, I invited my buddy, Jeff Shee. It's really kind of funny. If you want to know the real truth behind the thing, Jeff and I have been talking about doing another podcast since we have done the podcast. We've been talking about this for a while. And as you loyal listeners know, the time has to be right in my mind. So about two weeks ago, we set an appointment for a podcast that was supposed to be yesterday. Today, loyal listeners, is June 3rd. It was going to be on June 2nd, and we had some audio problems, so we rescheduled it. But what's amazing, and I talked about this to Jeff, is is how relevant what we were going to talk about two weeks ago before a man was murdered in Minnesota. We were before that. We were going to talk about things that kind of related to it. Not really. It wasn't about Black Lives Matter. It wasn't about Donald Trump. It wasn't about rioting. It wasn't about COVID. You know what it was about? It was about being a human. That's what we were going to talk about. That's what we were going to talk about. How fitting this is. And so as I talked to Jeff and I said, Jeff, you realize, you know, this is where we are. We need to turn. He said, Jason, I'm with you. And you know, as a loyal listener, that we use this platform to project your voice and others people's voices around the world, because that's how we're going to make forward change and momentum in the greatest industry God ever created, which is the insurance industry. I heard you say it out loud to yourself as you were listening to this. Good for you. The thing is, is that we can make that change in society. We can make forward progress and momentum. But there's things that we have to look at. In the insurance industry, I ask you to challenge the norms. I ask you to challenge what they've told you before. I ask you that. That's what this is about. That's what this platform is. Every once in a while, I get cool salespeople or whatever, but it's about getting the word out into your little cocoon that you live in inside of your agency or inside your business. And that's okay. You do. You're dedicated because you're a leader there. I need you to take a second and think about being a different type of leader in society. I think that this is the conversation that needs to happen. And here I am as a white guy with a South Korean on here, which affects to, to totally affects it because we are human. What'd you say? Chinese origination. I forgot about that. Yeah. But you, but South Korea, correct? Am I wrong by saying that? That's where, no, no. I apologize. Okay. I apologize greatly for that. Who have I, it might, is it Daniel Song? Yeah. Do you know, Daniel, I, know Daniel, I apologize. 
Daniel is. I knew, I knew. Apologize. You were Chinese. See, once again, don't really know. I, so, you know, it's funny, Jeff, my son, um, I am a person that of if, if you're, if you are of Asian descent, it's, it's very tough for me to tell. I, I can't, I, I'm just, I think a lot of people are that way. It's very tough to determine a, a, a distinguished Japanese from a Chinese, from a South Korean. This has to go back to being human, right? My son, who's 15 years old, who watches YouTube, he calls them out one after the other. And I've started to notice that other young kids do this and they watch so many different kids and different people from other parts of the world that their eyes are attuned to it. It's kind of like my brother-in-law's. They can walk through a forest and find a mushroom buried mm -hmm. under seven feet of leaves. Now, all you loyal listeners that are out there listening know what I'm talking about here. And that's how my son is. Like he can pick out nationalities way different than my generation can, all because he's exposed to that at multiple, multiple times. So, so, so yes, I apologize once again for that. But yes, uh, I got it mixed up. At least I just didn't pull that out of the air. It actually did have another um uh another guest who was just as awesome and 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 comes with a great story and a background like yours does a lot of feeds the fuel of the fire that a lot of people say hey this is an equal country look at what these other people did they came from other countries they were a minority they made it do should we celebrate if we have a thousand people and four of them get through the filter do we celebrate that do we say you other 996, it's your fault because look at these four, they made it? No, that's not the way that America was built. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Jeff Shee, thank you very much, man, uh, for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure to yeah. be on here. It is, it is. And, 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 and Jeff, um, what are some of your thoughts that are going through for the last week? Um, so just going back, on touch on what you just said. So there's a lot of immigrants that come here and, um, you know, they come over here, they leave everything in their past to come to America, right? I think they have one advantage. So being a successful person in this society takes a lot of skill set. Um, but one behavior pattern is challenging the norm and also taking risk. You know, two skill set that great entrepreneur has. And then if you look at a lot of the successful immigrants who became successful entrepreneurs, um, just follow their parents' pattern, right? Like their parents, when they decide to leave their homeland, leave all their relatives, leave all their family and friends, leave their food, culture, birthplace, to go to a foreign country they don't know. They have no expectation, never seen it before. Wow. Not social media available, not TV available back in their days, our first generation. You can look at the Jews, the Italians, and then you can follow with all the Koreans, the Vietnamese and Chinese. Just think about that thought for them to pick up and go make that investment, make that journey. Right. It's a massive amount of risk taking. And then for them to come over here to all the unknown, working against the odds working against all the things that stack against them. I mean, that takes a special skill set to develop and it challenge them as people. It challenge them and then they adapt, right? So their generation growing up, the second generation that come here, second generation Jewish, second generation Italian, they become successful through their parents' strength. Like you have jungle lions and then you have zoo lions. 
right? Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. That whole thing, watching the child, watching the parent develop, it really challenged them as second generation and third generation. So, unless your parent became super wealthy, you become a spoon-fed child, then you become a waste of society, where you just buy Lambos and lake houses. But you know, before that, you know, a lot of time when they watch their parent go through that struggle, it built a chip inside of them, and then another chip, and then another chip, and overall, overall through times, they develop the strength. That's why you see Wall Street is dominated by ghostings of the world. That's why you see all the legislator and then all the people who are making the rules, right? There's three rules, the power of the mirror, the power of the gold, and then the power of the sword. The people making the laws are the power of the sword. The people making the rules are the people who hold the gold, right? So Mm -hmm. why are they dominated by, like, for instance, a lot of Jewish people, the Jewish descendants, because they watch their parents, grandparents go through the chaos of the of the termination, extermination of genocide, right? They watch their parents struggle to fight for every piece they own. So it's generations and generations of DNA start building inside of them. And it's kind of like an athlete, right? Like, you know, just over and over again of repetition. And then behavior watching, behavior learning. You know, they say the best example of becoming a dad is not what you tell your kids, it's what you do in front of your kids. And I think that's what make a lot of these generational um, immigrants become successful in our country. And, you know, we talk about black, black, black lives matter. And, um, you know, some people can say, I do, you know, I don't, I don't feel bad for them because they all grow up with the same tool I had, right? Like, you know, these kids who are riding on the streets, they didn't. They didn't go through slavery like their grand-grand-grandparents. Why mm-hmm. should I feel bad for them? But I have a different thought to that. So my different thought to that was, if you look at the inner city of America, right? If you look at how a bag of weed could get you eight years for the past three decades, right? And then you look at how the epidemics of crack and coke, how that affected inner city 80s and 90s. The cornerstone of family in America is fatherhood. So you have all these men who are either going through their pain of society racism or lack of jobs of inner city, all through drugs or alcohol. And then those drugs and alcohol give them 10 years, 20 years. So you have generations and generations of inner black youth growing up without the pillar of fatherhood in Huge. their family removed. A fatherhood figure, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of beautiful single moms out there that raise their kid amazingly to be successful. There are plenty. And that's true. White, black, Asian, Latino. But, you know, a fatherhood in the black inner city youth is everything. That's like CEO. That's like president of operation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mom... They struggle, right? But father is a strength, is the it's a discipline of the family. And that's erased for two to three to four decades. And we're just repeating the same thing over and over again. And mm-hmm. you know, why do we see 14-year-old, 15-year-old rioting? You know, most of the people we see is not grown adults. 
that's 14, yeah. 15 year old because they don't have that father figure to tell them, don't get out the house, don't go there. You might get shot. So mm-hmm. that's just my take when I turn on TV. And, um, you know, if you watch, if you're a sports fan like I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. I watched the last dance of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan embraced his father in the last dance over and over again. He talked about how important that father figure was there for him. Every major decision he made from, you know, signing with Nike to going to North Carolina, choosing North Carolina, father and mother was present in the household on both decisions. Mm-hmm. He asked him. And then when he lost his father, it lost everything to him. He he hurt him so much that he had to step away from the game of basketball, the game that he loves, that he go to for escape. And then later on, you know, he took on a new father figure with a head of security. And when that head of security got cancer, it was another blow to Michael. Consistently, he sought out to get mentors. But a lot of time, our first mentor is our father. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And sometimes it's also good to, it's easier to find a good mentor when you're successful, right? It's easy to find those. Sometimes when you're by yourself and you're lonesome in your home, and you don't have that father or you don't have and you didn't grow up with it or you don't have him currently it is very tough to find that you know some of the things that it goes back to um i really truly believe at the at the crux and at the bottom of everything we are discussing i really think sometimes that what gets overplayed it's so easy to point a finger cuz i'm white you're asian he's black she's you know hispanic that's easy and that's what we do. That's what our shallow minds do. But really, I'd like to make a case that it all comes down to poverty. Because at the end of the day, bro, at the end of the day, you can be white, but if you're white and poor, you're going to be just as seen as unequal as anybody else. Now, I'm not going to say anybody else. We're not going to get into that conversation about one or the other. But we're talking about, once again, Loyal listeners, if you're listening to me and you heard at the beginning, we're talking about being human. We're not talking about race. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about politics. We're not talking about, we're talking about being a human, which encompasses those things, but we're taking no sides. We're having a conversation. So keep that in mind. But I think it comes back down to poverty. Poverty is stricken. Not only does it affect us humans in different classes inside of America, we see how it can drastically affect the rest of the world. Um, When we saw COVID come through, we saw the effects of those who were less fortunate were the ones that were put most at risk, whether they were the elderly, whether they were the, whether they were the, um, the young and the sick, right? Not the, the, the young, but the sick, those who had underlying um, conditions. We saw that those people who have underlying conditions are more than likely those who are poor. We saw that it was coming from nursing homes that not all, but a lot of those were Medicaid driven nursing homes where they had good care. I'm not blaming the nursing home. But what I'm saying is, is there's a lot of nursing homes where it was self-care that you didn't see a lot of those same things because it was an advantage. It really comes down to a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, of poverty. Now, now, Jeff, I want to get your thought on this. I used to say that I thought it was poverty so much that you can stop riots if you give them a job. Right. Like it's, it's amazing how people's attitude and how they feel differently about the world when they can pay their bills and stay as a father or mother figure to their family and have some form of respect on that. And I think now 
we're getting to the to we're getting out there to where I it, my mind's all over the place and I apologize loyal listeners because one of the things that you said you said about being a single woman out there right mm-hmm. I I truly sometimes think especially in today's world that sometimes the single woman is stronger than the male figure in the family but it does not mean it does not mean that what you said I liked what you said you said um you said that uh, fatherhood is the um, pillar, the CEO, p- 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 pillar, pillar of the family. That doesn't necessarily mean that. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like I run this office. I'm the one in charge. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that they're going to come get if we do something wrong. But so, but I don't run the office, right? Yesterday, so, yesterday I was having dinner with my wife and um, my beautiful wife, who just had her birthday a couple of days ago. Shout out to Priscilla. She. Um, so baby. I was having um, dinner with my wife. I was like, you know, it's almost three months since the since Trump went on air and had the national on lockdown. That imagine the last three months, you and I, you and I have been living fear. We've been fearing for the very thing that we take for granted every single day: touching people, hugging people. We've been living fear for. You know, air that we breathe, you know, we put on a mask when we go outside, when people come around us, when I take on walk on the woods in the path and people like walking past by me, like keeping their distance. Um, everything touched with sanitizing everything. Like these are the fear that we have never lived in 40 some years of our adult life. I'm really just 22, but, you know, and mm-hmm. and then now it connect with me just right now. So I saw this movie one time. It's a it's a good movie. It's called Hell or High Water. And I related to this movie because in this one scene he was talking about, he said, my grandfather was poor. My father was poor. Poverty is a disease. It gets passed on to generations to generations. Mm-hmm. And then it just hit me right now, like, what's COVID like? The closest thing we can resemble to COVID is poverty. It's it's air. It's mindset, right? It's something you can't see, you can't taste, you can't feel, mm-hmm. right? That's what COVID is. But same thing as poverty. Mm-hmm. Is poverty just lack of money in our bank account, all right? Is poverty just lack of status in the society? I think... The most important thing about poverty is mindset. When I wake up in the morning, if I'm poor, that's the first thing that registered with my mind. If I am struggling to make ends meet, trying to find a vision for the next day, the next week, the next month, that's my mindset. That's the same thing as being sick. That's the same thing as being with a transmitted disease. Mm-hmm. Past poverty is a transmitted disease that go from generation to generation to generation. It is. You're right about that, dude. It, 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 it is so much. You have my mind going everywhere. And, um, and that's why, that's why I love what John C. Maxwell says when he says people, um, don't follow people, people don't follow ideas, people don't follow a lot of things, but what people will follow is a cause. And I think that we're seeing the fact that there was a lot of people who were upset about COVID I think it's an underlying problem that we have going and mixing in with poverty. Those people were exposed. Not only were they exposed, their bank accounts were exposed and they're dead broke. Now they see, and it's something they've been griping about for years, 
Um, uh, and when I'm saying they, I'm talking about us once again as humans, talking about being seen as an equal, being able to be seen. I am a white guy. I do not have the problems that a lot of other people do, and I'm willing to say that. And I'm willing to start to say I'm going to start calling that out. But here we are today now, pinned up anger from all this poverty, all of these people being stuck in their home. As you said, we we talk about poverty. I love what you say. I mean, poverty is not just necessarily not necessarily just uh, your bank account. It's your emotional bank account. You know, being able to see other people and, as you said, touch and feel them, and them see you and go, "Shit, I got to get six feet away." I mean, it's just weird, right? And and I get it, and I get why those people come back for that. But here's the thing. It's about a cause. Whenever I've been very vocal about this, Jeff, I, I got to tell you, when it comes to about these riots that are going on, I do not condone riots. I do not condone loot, looting or criminal behavior. I also want to make a difference that there's a difference between protesters and rioters. Um, I use the number 5% because I was watching, I can't even remember what news source it was, um, and what they said was, is and once again, it's a news source. I think media is our number one enemy, but it was a news source, Jeff. And what it said was, is if they looked and they came up with a general amount of people that were rioting in each in each city, you know, 300,000 here, 25,000 here, blah, blah, blah. And you added those up and then you took satellite imagery of the people who were around the looting, the fires, the burning. They say it's anywhere between like three to 5% of that population was in those areas that caused that. Okay. That's what they're saying. And I know that there's a lot of people saying, well, they're busing people in or if or the left or the right, doesn't matter. That's not what we're here for. But what I am here for is that we need to understand there's a cause here. And there's a conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. And it has to do with the fact of, 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 of what you said. It's, it is a mindset to be poor. But it's also very hard to get out of that mindset when you have to work three times as hard as everybody else because you just happen to be black. When white guy Jason Cass runs a stop sign and just blows right through it and the cops on the corner, he kind of thinks to himself, eh, how fast was he going? Yeah, there was no one else around. Maybe I should go get him, right? Black guy rolls up to the stop sign and just doesn't stop all the way. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. He sees the black guy or she sees the black guy. She's pulling him over. There's no thought going on in their head as to whether or not they should do that. That, I hate the word too, but it's what we use right now is white privilege. It's not that I have the privilege, Jeff. That's what they don't understand. That's why I think the word white privilege is terrible. They don't understand. It's not because I have the privilege. It's because I live a normal life where a cop saw me come through the stop sign, and he thought, yeah, there's nobody around, right? No big deal. He's probably in a hurry. That's okay to do, but it's not once you make that determination based on the color of the driver. Mm -hmm. One of it is just being human and understanding I'm probably in a hurry and I wasn't hurting anybody. The other is inhumane to say, I think differently because that guy's black or that guy is Asian or that guy is anything other than white. I want to throw something out there real quick. Have you seen the, do you watch Billions? Billions? No, yeah. I do not actually watch that. I need to watch that one. Bobby Axelrod going against Mike Prince, and uh, you know Mike Prince is super successful, like ten times a billionaire, ten x a billionaire that Bobby Axelrod is. And then they were talking about in the second episode of the season, I think, um, white privilege. And then Mike Prince says it definitely plays a part, right? And then he said that 
you know, I am born white male in the most powerful country, most wealthiest country, you know, in, on earth. Yes. And that is advantage, no matter how you look at it, you know, being born a white male in the most powerful country and wealthiest country in, on earth is advantage. And then, you know, Bobby fall back against that. He was like, I had no advantage. I grew up on Yonkers, New York. I had to scrap for every piece I have ever had to earn. And then he earned, he looked at it as he didn't have any privilege that he had had to follow his way there. And, you know, a lot of people who are successful probably think that single mindset. Now, does it make a difference? I don't know. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially business owners and CEOs, when you guys sit there, sitting there making your interviews, walking, watching someone walking that door, just think about, does it make a difference? You know, this is not a survey. Just ask yourself that question in your head. So, you know, it's a great social debate. You know, we probably have this debate forever. Um, but, you know, when you get to check a box, you know, every single day when you're applying for something, you know, I think mm -hmm. it plays a part, right? So, for example, when whenever I go out in the social environments, um, people like to ask me where I'm from. And I don't... I don't think like when you hang with a bunch of white guys and they ask each other, hey, where you from? You know, that where you from is probably like, are you from, you know, Illinois? Are you from, um, are you from Ohio? You know, are you from Michigan? But not really where you from. You know, every time when a lot of time I see people in public, you know, even like professional settings, people like to start a conversation with your name. And then the second conversation is where you from? And then I will say, you know, rest in Virginia. And they're like, no, we really from. They're like, we really from. I'm like, okay, um, Beijing, China. And then they said, oh, I like General Sal Chicken. I'm like, oh, okay. Can you imagine we just switched the shoes? You ask a, a black person that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you imagine, like, that conversation gets shifted to a black person? They will look at you so angry, especially in today's society, right? Right. But for some reason, you know, I guess it's okay to ask Asian people. We used to it, and then we just don't fight back or anything. We're like, you know, do anything crazy. But it's so I have a buddy, Dwight Hempner. Dwight, I know you're listening. He lives in Manitoba, Canada, and he loves us Americans because he says that we're just so goofy when it comes to geography. I and 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 I I fell for it. I did it back in 2008 when I met him in Las Vegas for the first time. He said, "Yeah, I'm from Manitoba." And I said, hey, I said, yeah, Manitoba in Canada? He said, yeah. And I said, hey, do you know Jeff Roy? Even though he lives over in Ontario, right? That's the way that we think. It's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's just right next door. Of course I know Jeff. Everybody knows Jeff, you know? And it was really funny that that's the way that we think. And But no one ever says, if I meet you and you're from Virginia, I don't ever say, hey, do you know Tony? <laughs> you know, no one yeah. ever does that. But it's basically the same thing. I mean- and it doesn't make us wrong or right that we are asking you about your food, but I think it's cool that you make that known because someone like me doesn't think about that, that the I'm asking one, that, you know? The other one I like is whenever someone says, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm Chinese. They're like, oh, that's cool. I have a Korean friend back in the day when I was like three. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, you know? That's a that's that's just another funny one. Here's the thing, it's our <laughs> way. It's our way. But listen, listen, listen at the base of that though, bro. It's a guilt. It's an unspoken guilt that we have that we feel we need to say these things to relate to you. Why? 
because you're from another country and you look different than me as a white person. When are we going to say, I don't give a crap where he's at. My son would not ask you about your food and he's 15. He would not do it. Because Can you he just say that to like Italian? Be like, oh, Tony. Oh, Tony. Are you Italian? I like spaghetti. I love meatball. I love Domino's. <laughs> now you little listeners are laughing and this is the conversation we have to have. Right? It's not about rioting. It's not saying I hate you or whatever. It's about having these conversations to go, oh my gosh, how many of you have ever seen a tall person and you go meet them for the first time and you say, wow, hey, you're pretty tall. And then you feel like you're ignorant as soon as you say it because you're thinking, crap, everybody and their brother probably says that, right? So next time you see the tall person, you think twice about that, right? You're thinking, man, I'm not going to say anything about him being tall because everybody's saying that. And then you start thinking to yourself after four or five times of seeing him, you're thinking, why do I even care he's tall? Actually, I don't even notice he's tall, right? And, and, and it's just the way that it is. Um, I think it's the same type of thing. Once again, it's just how we are as humans. We see it different race. You know, if there was a race out there that didn't have noses, right? Like, let's just say that they were born without noses. We would make fun of those people and we would have a bunch of jokes based on the way that they sneeze. And we would ask them like, hey, do you, do you know the guy who owns Kleenex? Now, see, I'm getting drastic here when I'm saying this, but these are the goofy things that we're saying. And I love what you're, how you're making a conversation out of this with that because it, it is goofy to think. That I remember way. my first trip, you know, I used to be an Allstate agent back in the day. And um, I made my, I made Inner Circle my first year as an Allstate agent. And um, I'm in Switzerland, Geneva, Switzerland. And uh, I'm on this bus with this lady from Colorado. And she asked me, she's like, how many years have you been an agent? You know, that was like her first conversation with me after she asked me my name. And I was like, oh, this is my first year. She was like, your first year you made Inner Circle, which is like less than 1%, 1.5%. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. She was like, you must be good with computers. <laughs> I was like, yeah, most Asians are. So that was just my response back. But, you know, I have, we got, we I got mean notes. <laughs> This is so great, dude. This is so great. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. I mean, 
I mean, this is so great. It, uh, these things, I mean, I get bet you, you and your family and other nationalities can sit around and just talk about these silly things that we think all the time. And I'm going to go back to this too. I'm going to talk about hashtag media divides. The media and what they show us makes this relevant in our mind. Sometimes the conversations and the shows that we see are so shallow that that's what we associate. Oh, it's an Asian. Must be good at math. Must be good at a computers, you know? Now, there, there could be some truth in that. I mean, the Asian culture is known to be highly successful when it comes to um, when it comes to mathematics. Uh, according to the book that uh, um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote, the uh, Outlier, Outliers, Outliers, yeah, he talks book. about that, about the Asian in there, about how the rice fields and to create rice fields and to do it well is literally a mathematical equation almost. And that they believe that over two to 3,000 years, that's where it's come from there. So there's legitimacy there. But to meet a guy, to ask, wow, you've been in it for, you've been in it less than a year. You made the top half percent. Oh, you must be good at computers. Couldn't be any good that the fact that they're just as good as the reason why you're there, you know? And it's cool. We think and we don't think the, we don't, these things happen every day in our brain and we've got to stop. We've got to start having a conversation about that. Listen how goofy that sounds when I ask an Italian, he must love spaghetti, Right. Because his name ends with an O. Right. I mean, and, and, and once again, here's the funny thing about it, Jeff, it doesn't mean that these that we are bad people that we no. think this. It just needs to be made aware. That's yep. all it is. It just needs to be made aware. And 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 and, and it's important. But it's about the cause and it's I about think, the cause of making that aware. Point interesting social studies because when you go to china right it's 1.3 billion people all look alike right the first most passport in china is south korea and the second most passport in china is american passport but really i mean everybody look alike so you don't have a lot of the social issues we have here outside of just wealth and poverty and Over poverty. Here in this country we have the same social issue every country has wealth and poverty and we have another one added to that, which is religion, you know, the difference of sectors of religion. And then we have another one added to that, which is the difference of immigrants, right? You have like little Italian neighborhoods, you have Jewish neighborhoods, you have, you know, ethnic Jewish neighborhood, like a sadistic, um, you have, uh, you know, Chinese neighborhood, you have K-Town. And then on top of that, you know, you have different mindset of Southern versus Northern, right? Like you have the old school money, you have the young money, you have Silicon Valley money, you have, you know, just our country is so unique. I don't think there's anything mm -hmm. like it. And then also we have guns. We have a lot of guns, Ooh. 217 million guns in circulations. We have the gun right advocate. We have the gun control advocate. So, you know, you have like tons and tons and tons of social issues that people constantly bickering every single day. And then when people start bickering with each other online, it become of I'm right and you're wrong. And I will oh not my gosh. get back and just put myself in your shoes. And, and Jeff, yesterday, Jeff, yesterday, I made a post. I just shared an article. I, I have I have uh, two apps on my phone, Fox News and CNN. I never look at one without looking at the other because I, I just laugh half the time how they both tell their side. But in the middle, maybe I can sometimes find some truth. I happen to share an article 
which was, if you guys listen to it, is the prime minister of Canada. And they ask him a question about what's going on in America. And literally, he sits there for 10 seconds minimum, like trying to collect his thoughts. I mean, and, and you could just see the struggle the guy was going through, right? And I posted, I said, guys, this is what the world is saying to us. They're speechless right now. I got attacked. That was, have you ever, you, loyal listeners and Jeff, you've done this. You put a post out and you're like, oh man, this is, this is probably going to get some serious heat. And then like two hours later, there's nothing happening. But it's the ones that you don't ever think about. I was just like, dude, look at how this guy, it takes forever to answer a simple question about what's going on in America. And people literally, one of them was one of my mentors back in the day. He literally told me so long, my friend. I had a couple girls on there that I had dated when I was younger, and I still am very good friends with them who told me that they can feel free to unfriend me, right? Hmm. I mean, and I was like- and Look I'm at like, you, troublemaker. And, and so, so, so I got back in on this post like four hours later because I went out on, the, out on the boat with my wife, and I'm looking at it later, and I'm going, oh my gosh, and I made a comment, and I said, this was not even about Trump. And the whole thing was, if you hated Trump- when as a country did we become Democrat or Republican that we can't speak ill or bad or are ill or good, I should say, of our president of the United States without being it? If you are a Republican and you never down Trump, you're silly. If you're a Democrat and you never downed Obama, you're silly. The fact is, and this is what I want to make known, is that it has to do with the fact we are all arguing points. This is very profound to think about. We are all arguing points based on the media outlet we saw. When you think that he went in front of a church, for whatever reason, we're not having that discussion. But what I'm saying is, is if you read the five different uh, news organizations out there about Trump going in front of the church, you're gonna get five different stories from five different reasons. And you're gonna even hear from one reverend who was there who said he can't believe it, and another reverend who was there and says that everything the other reverends are saying is not true. Now, there's people out there justifying whether they are going to be my friend or not based on if they heard that on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. That's what they're doing. They're willing to throw away a friendship based on what somebody else's slanted perceived perception told them. Because I guarantee you, no one on any of my posts was in Washington, D.C. in front of the in front of the White House. But what's amazing is, is those who are propelling these things are basing that off that. And to be honest with you, I was not mad at one of those people that wanted to unfriend me. I really thought to myself, this is a sad affair. And for all of you that might be listening, that you were one of those. I'm glad you exposed who you are to me now. What does that mean? You're really not a friend. You do not really consider me a friend. You maybe consider me an acquaintance. You maybe consider somebody you relate to or you like to listen to on the podcast. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to be a human. And if we have a problem with that, this is a really, really big issue. I, and I have something to add to that. But what do you say about that, Jeff? You know, when we are locked in the house for almost 90 days due to COVID, oh. mm -hmm. right? You know, what did we do before that? We actually got to go out, see our friends, touch them, chat with them, have a drink with them, you know, play sports with them. And then that's when we are thinking and acting and interacting on a human level. Now... We've been stuck 90 days feeding from feeding our mind through TV and social media. And our TV have their own agendas. Our media has their own agenda. Our social media 
filter things mm-hmm. and make things show up mm-hmm. on our algorithm with agenda. Mm-hmm. Our social media are a bunch of corporations trying to change our views, studying our behavior pattern every single day. Yep. You know, filtering our words, study our words with these like AI technology stuff. Now we just become programmed to the machine. Like before, we were plugged to the matrix, and the last ninety days we got super plugged. Like this is the <laughs> Tesla supercharger, right? And before we're like American, like you know, every time when we get to go out, have a drink with our friends, you know, play on the basketball court, we're getting unplugged. And these 90 days, we got super plugged and we are now tuned with our guns against each other. When I say guns, I mean like our perception views, our mm-hmm. verbal words. Mm-hmm. The, the thing I see coming out of my friend's mouth, doesn't matter which side they are, is lethal, it's sharp, it's painful, it's anger. And um, it's the result of these 90 days of downloading, downloading from the supercharged machines. Mm-hmm. And then at and, the end of the day, when our country go to war with each other, when there's bodies on the streets, yeah, that's you know, these media have blood on them. Mm-hmm. Hashtag media device. You saw it probably in the uh, the uh, subject line of this of this um, of this podcast. And it does. I want to say it's not a D and it's not an R issue. And I have to say that whenever we make it a D in our issue, we elu- we immediately lose fifty percent of the people. Right. So why would we make it that they would make it that because they making that helps their ratings for that 50 percent versus the other 50 percent. But in the meantime, us as humans get caught in this. Let me give you another example of this. It's a propaganda that we do outside my belief in my cause in Cuba. People don't understand and can't understand my cause for Cuba. If you understand my cause for what's going on in America right now, you'll understand my cause for Cuba. The Cubans don't do don't know anything differently. Only thing they are, as a matter of fact, they're a lot like other countries. But our media and our government perceives and tells us what's really going on over there. I'm going to tell you, I was one of the six people in front of the White House. I'm using that as an analogy. I go to Cuba six times. I have stu- I've I've went around the country. I've talked with government officials. I've talked with policemen. I've talked with doctors there. I have been with the most poor people that I've ever seen in my entire life. And 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 the poor people in America is like a luxury compared to what these people have. But what's not fair against these people is they don't have a chance. And they don't have a chance because of the way the media person makes us perceive them. And that's what's happening in this country. And that is why that's why this cause is important. I'm a man of cause, Jeff. This is what's attracted you and I. Jeff and I have got some exciting things that we wanted this podcast to be about, about the uh, uh, urban farm, uh, urban farmers, Um, talking about people who are helping people in this country through human trafficking, talking about the woman, Jeff, that you introduced me to, you didn't introduce, but like online showed me her stuff. Um, of she walks the streets of Houston, helping prostitutes and trying yeah. to get Elijah get Rising. The, Elijah Rising. Uh, uh, what is it? Rising. Elijah Rising. That's Rising. Right. Yep. Yes. One woman, These, single mission. Yes. You know what? I'm an, I'm an activist and a cause maker in everything that I do, and I didn't realize it. And I'm okay with this one, too. What I do with this podcast, Jeff, is a cause. 
Mm -hmm. right? What I do, what I'm doing with neon, I believe neon is transformation to the industry and it's costing me money to be involved, but it's okay. I'm going to put my money up to do that kind of stuff. And together, no one, why do I say this is the greatest industry in the world uh, God ever created? Because it allows a poor man like me, it, it allows an immigrant from China like you to be able to rise up. I mean, folks, li loyal listeners, if you didn't listen to the one before with Jeff Shee, he's literally been the top 1% of all state agents for what the last three years, four years before he jumped over here. And now he's doing about two to $3 million in premium a month. He, 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 he had to overcome, but you know, he still has struggles every day, just like anybody does. And that's the other thing that we need to realize. Everybody has struggles and everybody, even if you're white is seen as an unequal, we need to be seen as an equal. I think our founding fathers would just be devastated based on the things that are coming out of our mouths right now against each other, all based on the fact that media. And what's so scary about this is, is the media is the one person that's supposed to keep people in check. Mm -hmm. And now we, we don't have that anymore. That's why podcasts are so famous, right? You finally can de decipher through and listen to certain people. So You know, you know one thing I love to challenge you, Jason, Mm -hmm. Um, so the last episode of Billions, I go back to Billions again because it's my favorite show. Um, it talks about impact funds, you know, funds that create impact in society, better humans, better people, better earth, you know, where mm -hmm. people can invest their money in and create an impact on the world. That's what they call impact funds. But how yeah. many impact podcasts are there? How many podcasters are out there interviewing the people who are doing the greatest impact on the world? You know, like my pastor, Pastor Will, you know, out there sleeping in San Diego with the homeless, right? You know, trying to put himself in their shoes and help them recover, help them find their way back to God, help them find their way back to society. You know, for example, the urban farming guys, I find those guys on YouTube, like randomly six years ago. Two guys awesome. building a school, two guys building a school and teaching all type of trades in the urban city of Kansas City, right? And they find the hardest part of Kansas City. Not over land, you know, but hardest part of Kansas City. And um, they're just teaching these guys tricks of all these people who are homeless or, you know, inmates who just got out of jail, you know, violent past or people with, you know, Ashramark, like Ashridge on their background, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, vertical hydroponics is the future. You know, when everything in our soil is damaged by Monsanto, you know, when you can have 1% of water and create the same lettuce at half the time, then the lettuce in the main field, right? 1% water versus 99% water. And also you can create that lettuce in half the time. And in a lot less confined space, you know, there's a lot of movement of vertical hydroponics and then there's, you know, just a lot of people doing good in that world trying to say, hey, you know what, at some point water and food is the next commodity war, right? And next war, our corporation is all to control these things. They are already moving their chess pieces around the world where natural waters are, where they can control those commodities. So, you know, we have plenty of people out there saving humans. Like human trafficking is a massive issue right now. And then there's Operation Underground in Arizona. There is Elijah Rice in Houston. Some of these hubs in America that are devastated by human trafficking. It doesn't matter. You know, it could be kids like 
boys, 12 years old, being trafficked. I mean, the things that you and I really didn't have to worry about when we grew up, and now it's a whole set of issues, you know, like watching kids get trafficked and women get trafficked. And I think I challenge more podcasters out there, instead of interviewing all those guys who made millions and billions, interview the people who sacrificed making millions and billions. Come on. And go change the world, right? Let's tell their stories. Let's get their story out there, and then let's have other people follow them. Because all it is is you saw someone with a Lambo, you saw someone with a Ferrari, you're like, damn, I want to follow that guy, right? You see someone who can pick up women at the bar, you might say, I want to follow that guy. And you see somebody who played basketball really well, you might put in more reps, more practice, and you want to follow that guy. You know what? We could use plenty of people who are going out there loving people. Like I saw people in the protest, you know what they're doing? They were handing out masks. Actually, you know what? Shout out to Sam, Wim, and then Manaz of my friends. They were out there handing out masks to the protesters, right? To make sure COVID doesn't spread. Not just to protest, they were handing out masks to cops, to sheriffs who are working these jobs without masks. And then there's people out there giving out hugs. I saw a couple pictures people taking where they were just like walking to both sides and giving out hugs. Now they might go back to whatever they were doing before, but for that moment, they wanted somebody to know they were loved. Mm-hmm. Dude, one of the best, one of the best pictures of the whole thing. I've seen a lot of hugs and stuff. Is in Louisville, Kentucky, and one oh, of man. the yeah, dude, how that freaking so powerful. And for all you guys who want to know, you can go to my Facebook site and see it. But what it is is it is a, a white uh, uh, police officer who is separated from his squad, and he is about ready to be in a bunch of trouble and there are a bunch of protesters who are seem almost they probably protesters but they're very angry and they're going to come at him and you see this line of in the picture black guys are all arm in arms locked in front of him in front of him and there's the protesters like saying let us at him you know I'm not going to say they were trying to kill him or harm him, but they wanted to get in his face and yell at him like the other protesters were going to do. And they locked arms and protected this guy until his squad got there. That's what the media doesn't show. They don't show it on CNN when the guy grabs the microphone and says, I do not represent, these looters do not represent us out here. We have been marching peacefully all day. All I want is to be able to have a cop pull up behind me and me not get a, uh, something in my stomach. Something as we close this up that I want us to really think about because I've got it in my notes and I wanted to talk about it. Because it's talked about in a lot of American cities out there. Real quick statistic for you loyal listeners out there. What percentage of black people do you think make up America? What percentage of now without looking it up, just think in your head, like if you're what if you're way off, it's okay. Cause I was. What percentage of the people in America of us 328 million are black people? The answer, 12, 12%. I was blown away by that. I thought it was like at least 20. I thought it was almost 30. I really was. But we're talking about 12%. Why do I say that? Because when we look at statistics and we try to compare them against uh, how, how white people are treated, it sometimes looks slanted as that white people are treated worse. But remember that there's four times the amount of white people in this country that there are anything else. Remember that. 
And of those 12 million people, they have to have a conversation that no one else really does. And it's called, I didn't know this, it's called the talk. Not about birds and bees. It's called the talk because they have to have a conversation with their children at a young age about how they need to act around police and authority, which is the same conversation I got. But my mom didn't have to, didn't, didn't continue on with, they're going to treat you differently. Now, some people would say that's part of the problem. No, it's not. You have to prepare people for what's going to happen, right? That's like saying, well, you don't want to prepare your army before you go to war because when they get there, they're just going to have war. No, they're going to have war. So we need to have be prepared. And that's the conversation. Believe me, I do not think that there is one African family out there that wants to have that conversation of what they call the talk, the talk, the talk. No ethnicity, no nationality, no race should be able to have that, especially in America. I can see that in other countries, but not in America. Then again, it does happen in America because of the things you said, Jeff. I mean, we're talking about multi, like you said, you throw in religion, you throw in guns on top of that. I mean, you throw in um, a, a, a rights of, 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 uh, of the LGBT community. Um, you throw in all this stuff, but here's the thing that's great about this. And we all forget, we're not allowed to have this in other countries. You know, that just doesn't happen that way. But also I'm talking to three of my VAs through agency VA. And I was talking with them on Monday, we had our sales call and I said, do you guys know what's going on in, uh, in America? And they said, oh yes, we do. We, we follow all American. We, we love what American stuff. And we were just very confused. And I said, over in the Philippines, do you, do you have this same ratio thing? And they were like, no, we don't, we don't have this. And, and it goes back to what you said. You know, a lot of people look the same. You're, 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 you're in a city of how many, how many people are there in China? 1.4 billion. Am I right? Three billion, actually 1.4 billion now. 1.4 billion. Okay. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's just a lot of people. So it's the talk. No one should have to have the talk. The talk is starting to get police brutality is getting pretty nasty out there. And what I say that, why does that say, do I beating up police officers? No, but listen, the guy that did this, that did this in Minnesota, once again, I have not factually read the report. I've got this from multiple media, multiple media outlets. They're saying anywhere between 12 to 18 citations. This guy had gotten for the way that he was treating people. I didn't say race, black people, white people, the way he was treating people. That has to go. That has to go. Because if you're treating people that way, I know for a fact you're really, really treating the minorities even more unfairly. And that's the type of change that has to be made. A lot of people say, Jeff, we need to have laws. I disagree with that. I think we need to have laws, but we have laws for guns. We have laws for everything. Here's what laws are. Laws try to change the effect of a cause. You can't change the cause without the effect. When I put out there, a new thing is my white friends are out there saying, Jason, if you want to make a change, you should vote for this legislation that this Amish guy who's a libertarian is putting out there to where you're going to be able to sue a, um, a police officer or something like that. And it's like, what do you mean you're going to be able to like, okay, it's all right. But that still doesn't change the mentality, the mindset of the person shouldn't be, if they have any type of stereotype or any kind of hypocritical bone in them, they mm. should not be a policeman in the first place, regardless of, oh, let's let them be a policeman. And if they do something, we'll hold them accountable. No, 
here's the deal. You don't have to have any legislation if you fix the cause. Right. The legislation's an effort as an as effect. Wrap this up for me, Jeff, as we have to close this up. Wow. Um, it's always fun being on here, right? You know, last time I came on here, I was talking about hard success with quantum, you know, crushing over at quantum, quantum, and I love to talk more about it. But there's one thing that you and we always chat about is how do we find the most dynamic people and come on your show? Mm -hmm. Find those more, most dynamic people. And I just love studying them. I like studying people like algorithms, you know, study what makes them tick, study how they got there, study how um, their vision for the future look like. And there's not better platform than podcasts, right? Because really just an hour of thoughts dumping, people dumping their emotion, dumping their thoughts. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, if... You know, we held a mask giveaway, right? We give away about 40,000, 46,000 masks locally to our community, to our local business. Um, I put together this giveaway with donation from my community and donation from a couple of business owners. Manaz from LM Body Shop, shout outs. And, um, and then I was interviewed by Fox 5 that day. They showed up to our event. And then the lady asked me, she was like, what make you want to do this? You know, and... What would you say to the rest of the people out there in the world who want to either donate masks or, you know, whatever it is to make a difference? I was like, you know what? One thing I saw with COVID was the world wasn't ready. We weren't ready. And um, there's a lot of pain out there. People are hurting. So all I wanted to do was make a difference to one person that one day. And if we continue to think on those thoughts, make a difference to one person one day at a time. And it's just a compounding effect and domino effect, right? Being kind is a virus. Mm. It's the same virus as being poverty. It's the same virus as COVID, something you can't see, you can't touch, you can't taste, but it is there. It is there every single day. Every time we open our mouth, every time we type something about how much we hate Jason Cass on his Facebook post, being kind is always there. And let's spread yeah. that. Let's spread that virus. I agree. I agree. I agree. Quit interviewing the people who made millions and interview those who spent millions to make change. I love that. Yeah. I, I really, I, I sacrificed, made. You know, Jeff, I really do appreciate this. And I want to say to the loyal listeners as I close up that I'm not using this as I started to make a political stance or anything, but I believe that I have seen some of my influential people in my life take a stand on things that give me um, a sense of power, give me a sense of, okay, if they can do that, then maybe I can do that. You know, I've, I, I, I had emails come through from other people who have mental illnesses when I talked about a mental illness I had. And most of them told me that they liked my podcast and they think that it was not going to be around because literally, because I had exposed that part of me. What's amazing is, is when you look at that podcast and you look today, my numbers are double, right? Mm -hmm. I took that same thought when I thought about banking this part of that platform. But here's the deal, Jeff. The fact that I had to contemplate whether or not this was going to go over well with my listeners is the whole problem. Mm -hmm. It's the whole problem. It's not the problem that I like Jason and now he's taken this stance. I have taken no stance. We're having a conversation. 
And so that, that's what we have to look at. And if you think differently than me, you're not wrong. I'm not going to say that because when I say that you're wrong, now you're not going to listen to what I say. I'm just going to say, if you think I'm wrong, let's keep talking. That's all that we're saying. Let's keep talking. And that has to do with you protesters and rioters as well. Let's keep talking. Don't call each other closed-minded if they don't agree with you. Have the conversation so that they can agree with you. One of the things I say about fear all the time is fear comes from anxiety. Anxiety comes from the unknown. You've heard me say it before, loyal listeners, and it's the same thing. You've got the person that you just moved into the block, and you see him drive by every day, and sometimes he waves and sometimes he doesn't. And you think to yourself, man, that guy's a jerk. And you go inside the house after you mow, and he comes by, and you don't wave. And you say to your wife, man, he didn't wave. He's such a jerk, you know? And then the neighbors invite you to a local party down the road, and you go down to a party, and that person's there. And you have a couple cold, refreshing beverages. Maybe that's an iced tea, a sweet iced tea if you're from the South. Maybe that's a, a, a vodka and lemonade if you're Jason Cass. But as you start to talk to that person, you start to realize, like, wow, I had no idea. You're even thinking to yourself as you're talking to them, like, God, I thought this guy was such a jerk. The whole point was, is that you didn't know him. So you immediately said, I'm going to create anxiety and fear towards that. Understand that that doesn't make you a bad person. That's a, that's a learned habit. That's a learned trait. Back in the day, whenever it was me and my wife and family and our little tribe, when we saw somebody coming across the desert way far away, I didn't know who they were. My first instinct was, I need to protect the tribe. That's instinctual. But now when we can kind of look at that and realize that I only think that way because I don't know that person, we, we, we come out of the tribe mentality. It's that same type of mentality that we have to come out of. You may not like when I say it, but I'm going to say it. Slavery is the biggest crime that, God, that America ever created, and I don't know if it'll ever get away from it. That doesn't mean that it's my responsibility because, hey, my grandfather didn't do anything. No, but the, what he did is still today, and it's my job to fix that. And my son said to me, I have a 20-year-old son. He says, Dad, so you're against land reparations. You're allowed for paying them. Listen, I'm for doing what I have to do. I'm not saying that we're going to pay these people for, what, for, for some of the, the atrocities that happened. I don't even think that that's necessarily a good idea. And I think a lot of people in America don't. But that doesn't mean that I have to stop and say that these people don't need to be treated equally. These people need to be treated equally. And the thing is, I'm going to say is I'm going to wrap this up. And this was one of my huge posts and, 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 and it just came to me out of nowhere. And this is the last thing that I'm going to end with. And I want to, I want to bring this up to you. And if you've thought or said they are hurting their cause, I'd like to ask you, why don't you think it isn't your cause too? It's all of our cause. We're all humans. We're all Americans. Jeff, Thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Um, we're going to do another one going back to what we were originally going to do, which this played in line. Last okay. thing, anything? You just no. good? Just go out right, and man. somebody today. Be kind. Be kind. Remember, I think, I think Blockbuster had it right the whole time. Just <laughs> be kind. Rewind, right? 
Yep. All right, everybody, to you loyal listeners out there, this has been Agents Influence, conversations with Jason Cass. Now, you know my boy, She, he owns an agency. He works in an agency. He's a rock star of the insurance industry. But because we took it outside the agency and because we decided to talk about something that's the most important in our life, which is society, we wanted to label this one Agents Influence Podcast, conversations with Jason Cass. I'm Cass, he, she, and you tell me your thoughts and you tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. We are out.